Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. In this episode, I found an audit of 10 government entities on the vendor management practices. And wow, I want to talk about their findings that include common issues that your organization may be dealing with. So if you want to hear what they found and best practices that you could implement to avoid those findings, keep listening. Welcome to episode 143, Tales from an Audit, Findings for Management of the Vendor Master File and Best Practices to Avoid. An audit report was published on March 2019 from the Office of the Auditor General Western Australia um, organization. And I thought it was interesting because even though it was across the world for me, I am in the U.S. smack dab in the middle in Oklahoma, uh, that report showed that organizations still have the same management deficiencies in their uh, vendor master file, no matter where they are. While the report included five state and five local government entities and included multiple re- uh, relevant sections, the section on management of the vendor master file um, for me was most relevant. So I'm going to focus on that for this podcast episode. And so we're going to look at three different um, findings and then also a best practice that you can implement for free today um, to avoid. So let's look at the most, uh, they're finding that said most entities need to improve the management of their supplier master files. And let's just uh, take a moment. So they call it supplier, I call it vendor, same thing. But does that resonate with you? Um, it resonated with me as a practitioner because of course the, the processing of invoices and the approval of those invoices and the payment of those invoices were always a priority over managing uh, the vendor master file. Even the uh, creation of the purchase order um, was uh, kind of took precedent because um, once the sourcing or, or purchasing uh, team uh, found the vendor and they needed to get a purchase order, you have to get a vendor master file created in order to create that purchase order. And so 
that step in that whole P2P process was often thought to be a bit, um, not necessarily rushed, but they didn't think that, or it wasn't assumed that there was much that needed to be done. So you just go ahead and uh, hurry up and set up a vendor master file. And as we know, that is definitely not the case, not in today's world with fraudulent vendors. And so um, hopefully this was... Um, uh, 2019 and with the pandemic probably made it a lot worse because you definitely didn't have time to um, uh, clean up or manage the supplier uh, 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 master files or vendor master files. But um, so that being said, this probably really resonates um, with you. Now for them, the purpose of their review was to determine if the vendor master files were well managed and that their operations promoted uh, effective accounts payable processes that reduced fraud and errors. Now again, what they found were common issues but they were also issues that can be resolved with best practices in management of the vendor master file. So here are three things that they found and for each I have a best practice to avoid. Now the first one is six of the 10 entities had a significant number of vendor records that had missing information. Can you resonate with that? Do you already know that you have missing information in your vendor master file? So email addresses, tax IDs, um, telephone numbers, contacts. Do you already know that that information is missing? One best practice is to identify what vendor information and the supporting documents for that vendor information. Um, for example, um, you would require a tax ID and the supporting documentation would be a W-9 and I'm talking for U.S. vendors. So identify what information and what supporting documents are required at vendor setup and when updating vendor information and make no exceptions. Be sure to require the vendor email address and telephone number because those are the ways that you communicate with your vendor. Um, if you one want to get that missing information or any missing information or information that's no longer valid when you go to validate um, during a recurring vendor master file cleanup process that hopefully you have. Um, and it's also, you know, what you use when you want to confirm any future changes that they make on their account. Um, for example, a bank account change. So make sure you require um, that information uh, at the start, document it, put it in your vendor policy, um, have leadership sign off on it uh, and then make sure it's in your desktop procedure so all your vendor team or any of your accounts payable team members that onboard vendors or up make changes to vendor um, to the vendor master file they know what to require so that was the first one is that vendor records had missing information the second one was that seven of the ten entities had a significant number of active vendor records that had not been used in two or more years and this quite frankly is another result of just not having time to clean the vendor master file or that time um, to uh, uh, manage your vendor master file. And so a best practice is to inactivate vendors that have not had invoice activity, purchase order activity, 
payment activity or even vendor record activity because if they just submitted um, documentation and went through that your whole process to update their vendor master file um, that is actually the whole point of the um, of the vendor master file cleanup and inactivating your vendors is so that you can uh, get uh, that updated information and keep that information on file and make sure it's always accurate. And so you look at those four things and if they have not had activity in any of those four things in 15, 18, or 24 months, whatever is best for your company, this audit recommended 24 months. But again, it's whatever's best for your company. Now, if uh, once you inactivate those vendors, if those vendors want to do business with your company in the future, you want to treat them as new vendors. So you collect new supporting um, documents. And this is the way you keep that vendor information up to date in your vendor master file. And a couple of points that they also made was that uh, a lot of the information was uh, inaccurate. The banking information was inaccurate. Um, and so uh, that having that information just sit in your vendor master file without rechecking it on a recurring basis, without following up um, with the vendor to update it, and then um, without inactivating those records if um, there's been no update in that 15, 18, or 24 months, really results in just bad information. And they did document that. So think about that in your vendor master file. When's the last time you've inactivated um, uh, vendor records based on activity? And I will say that if it's been over a year, uh, over two years, you're probably going to look at um, up to a 50% reduction in your active vendors if you have not done it in a few years and if you go ahead and do that. And keep in mind, um, a great benefit of that is once you inactivate those vendors, how many, um, how many ever percentage of those vendors you inactivated, those vendor records can no longer be susceptible to fraud, either internal or external, because you've inactivated them. Now, I know a lot of folks um, don't like the whole inactivation piece because once you inactivate vendor records, some other department is going to um, have a fit, right? And so what I would say to that is, um, one, just verify that you have uh, segmented your vendors. Um, so if you have a set of vendors that's in your vendor master file that's used for, I don't know, a bidding process um, that purchasing or sourcing uses, and they're not necessarily, um, you haven't done business with them because they haven't been selected yet, but yet they're in your vendor master file so that they would be able to access this one module of your accounting system or ERP that allows them to bid. It, put them in a whole separate vendor type um, or ca account category so that you exclude them from your inactivation process. So make sure you do that piece and then you'll be less susceptible to inactivate vendors that might be used for something different than accounts payable payments. 
All right, the third finding was that six of the 10 entities had duplicate vendors and many were due to routine updates to vendor information that resulted in new vendor files. So that's a direct result of not um, searching and finding duplicate vendors in your vendor master file before you either update a vendor or add a new vendor. Because in some cases you think it's a new vendor add and it's really an, um, an updated or an existing vendor change. Because remember the vendor doesn't know um, and sometimes an internal team member doesn't know either, you know, our verbiage, what we consider a new vendor, whether or not we add a new vendor or um, uh, versus adding a new, uh, new remit address or a new location, depending on your accounting system or ERP, it really could be a new vendor, um, even though it may have a relationship to an existing vendor in a system like SAP, or, you know, if it's just a new address or a new location, um, in a system like uh, PeopleSoft or, or Oracle, um, where it's just a new site ID. So they don't really know our processes. And so you can't rely on what the vendor or the internal team member tell us we need to do. We have to make sure that the vendor team is aware and knows what document process needs to be followed when um, when those requ uh, vendor requests comes in. But one of the uh, best practices that I think is the best practice, um, one of the better best practices for this particular um, issue of duplicate vendors, and is really your first uh, defense against duplicate vendors, is that for all vendor requests, even if they indicate it is a new vendor setup, require a search of the vendor master to file by three things, um, by legal name, by tax ID, and by address in order to find duplicates. Because um, by legal name, if you don't have um, a vendor naming convention, or if you have one, but you know, you had vendor, um, you inherited a vendor master file, you don't know what kind of process, uh, process they had or vendor legal naming convention they had when you inherited that vendor master file, you could have vendors in there, um, by, uh, by a different, um, uh, vendor legal name convention or none at all. And it was just put in how that particular vendor team member wanted to put it in. And so you might not be able to find it um, by legal name, but you might be able to find it by tax ID. But if you can't find it by legal name um, because they put it in a different way or by tax ID because maybe they didn't enter in the tax ID and that information is missing, like the first issue that they found or the first finding that they found, then you can check it by address. And so so if you search by each of those three, you know what um, the wild cards are, um, you'll be most likely to find duplicates um, by just uh, by searching those three versus only searching one way legal name or tax ID or for that matter, not doing a duplicate search at all. And I know that can happen. So make sure you put that duplicate search in and make sure they're searching by legal name, tax ID and address. 
All right. So my question to you, um, and I ask this first also, is can you resonate with these findings? Uh, and if you can, and if you want more best practices, uh, I do have a, a free webinar. It's an on-demand recording. It is on YouTube. And so you can jump around. I have timestamps and you can kind of jump around the hour-long webinar to go to the section that you want to go to. Um, but the webinar is called the top 10 best practices for your vendor master file to avoid fraud, fines, and bad vendor data. So I will um, have a link to that in the blog post that accompanies this uh, podcast episode. And in that blog post will be a link to that uh, free webinar so you can watch that at your convenience. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 143rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.